Okay, we made it. It is Friday. Welcome to the Bulwark Weekend Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. This is Tim Miller. Tim, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Charlie. We had a vibrant green room that people missed out on. So yeah, it was yeah, lively. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm just ready to hit the ground running here on this Friday morning. Okay, so you know, target rich environment once again. We could talk about Liz Cheney. We could talk about Dan Crenshaw. We could talk about Alex Jones, Ron DeSantis, Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. suggesting, hey. I may actually blow this Senate race. Um, interesting polls out of Wisconsin. Larry Hogan calling bullshit on the nominee for governor in his own state. Uh, Carrie Lake talking about BDE. Mm. Okay, I, you you get none of the historical or even musical references that I make. <laughs> okay, but but I'm guessing you got the BDE reference that went right over my head or something. You, yeah, you, Pete, right? Davids, Pete Davidson has BDE. Did you not know that? Do you even know who Pete Davidson is? I do know who uh, Pete Davidson is. I don't know why anyone would think he has BDE. Yeah, because uh, Ariana Grande said that he did. Yeah, it was okay. just kind of a, a little internet a, discussion. A little cred there. Um, yeah, big big dick energy is what it is, <sighs> but not Dick Cheney. We had a big. We did have some big big Dick Cheney energy the past few weeks, but um, yeah, that's what it stands for. And I did find it kind of weird that the party that's so concerned about grooming Carrie Lake in her speech was like. You know, you should talk to your kids about this. If you don't get the, if you're like Charlie, you don't get the reference. Talk to your kids. It's going, I'm going. Oh, really? Yeah. Talk to your kids about about big penises. That sounds. That yes, sounds Dad, totally not at all weird or groomy. Dad, Daddy, well, why do so many Republicans like Donald Trump? Well, Johnny, because <laughs> he has big dick energy, according to Carrie Lake, and you know, so this is this is why she's a rock star. This is why she's a rock star, and. Liz Cheney isn't. So, okay, um, before we get into the the really cool stuff, uh, my, my absolute favorite story of the day that I could actually spend all day just, just reading over and over again. I, I could spend the whole podcast reading it aloud. This Washington Post story, Russia's spies misread Ukraine and misled Kremlin as war loomed. And it turns out the spies, you know, suck as badly as the Russian military did. And it, you know, tells these, has these dazzling details that, that these, these Russian spies, it's the FSB operatives, they were so confident that Russia would just roll through and they would be greeted as liberators in Kiev that they were arranging for safe houses and accommodations in informants' apartments. And, and they told some of their, their moles there, you might want to leave just shortly, but, but leave your keys because we're going to need your stuff. And my favorite line, though, in the whole story, as you go through how they completely screwed this up, how they got it wrong, how they misled everybody, how they had no idea the way the Ukrainians would respond or President Zelensky would respond. And then there's this line in the Washington Post story, the FSB did not respond to requests for comment. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, hey, um, what I, could you just imagine you know, in the in the in the nineteen sixties, you know, calling up the KGB, KGB public relations. Hey, we have this story um, about that you tried to murder somebody with a poison tipped arrow in London. Would you care to comment? <laughs> Oleg, is may I speak to Oleg in the public affairs department? That's pretty yeah. good. This is like a spies like us type thing. This is a movie reference we could maybe meet in the middle on. That's the nineteen eighties, you know, right? Right. That's a cultural overlap. See, people don't know what we're talking about. We were I actually was was making <laughs> what I regarded as a somewhat witty reference to something that happened in the sound of music. And you just completely blanked on it. 
Of course. I mean, I it's, you know, right? I mean, was, but, the sound, was the sound of music in color or did they have to like recolorize it? Just later shoot, on. shoot me now. I mean, just <laughs> just right now. The hills are alive. So anyone that knows Tim or, uh, you know, goes to one of his many book events for his <laughs> New York Times bestselling uh, book, Why We Did It. You know, what would really be cool is, you know, you raise your hand at the back and, you know, Tim says, yes, lady in the back. And you stand up with like the boom box, put it over your head and play. The hills are alive. Right. Just just because it's a little troll. Just because Tim needs to know this. OK, I'm not going to I'm not going to get go too far down the rabbit hole, uh, except I tried the line about and now introducing the Von Trapp family singers. And he didn't get it at all. OK, so. Hey, hey so Mitch McConnell says that basically implying, you know, guys, we uh, not actually win the Senate and kind of very obliquely raising the question of maybe it's a little bit about the candidate quality. You know, I know it's 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 always dangerous to talk about the vibe shift, but it is interesting. It is now past the middle of August and right now Republican knives are out. You can tell there's a lot of whispering and off the record, you know, mm-hmm. hey, the reason that we're going to lose is because this guy screwed us up or this guy. So giving your take on all of this, that they are now admitting publicly that maybe it was not a real political genius move to nominate, I don't know, Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz and folks like that. Yeah. The Mitch McConnell video clip, if people haven't seen it, I'd recommend just kind of putting that on the Google machine because this is sad turtle Mitch. Right? Like sometimes you feel like Mitch is doing his Cheshire cat kind of clever sort of thing, right? And um, and you know he says, oh, you know he's saying, I don't know if we're going to win, but but maybe it's part of some you know mm-hmm. three dimensional chess that he's decided that he's playing at that moment. This is not what was happening. This was a beaten down man who has lost control of his party. And it was not long ago that he was at the peak of his powers. He was blocking Merrick Garland from the Supreme Court. He was choosing candidates in the Senate primaries. He was making sure that the complete crazies uh, were, uh, you know, were, were either not running or were defeated because he was working in tandem with Donnie Trump to do that. And they had about two cycles where they avoided, you know, the classic, I'm not a witch, Todd Aiken situation because you know Mitch McConnell like held the reins tight, and he's totally lost the reins. And you can just tell that he 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 feels it. He's down about it, and he's right. And they're going to leave seats on the table. And we, we've talked a lot about Warnock and Oz. Really great ad from our friends at the Republican Accountability Project. It's just stark about Walker putting a gun to his ex's head yeah. and threatening to kill her. You know, and then Walker puts out this like rambly oh, come video. On. Locker room replying. talk. Just locker room talk. Who <laughs> no, hasn't done that? They're <laughs> stigmatizing mental health I- issues. And it's just mm. like, this is not a, me- I, I, okay, I'm sensitive to mental health issues. This is not stigmatizing that. This is, you are threat. You are threatening murder. Like this is domestic violence. Okay. You know, this is like uh, the cops. I know Herschel thinks he's a fake cop, but the cops should have been coming to his house. Anyway, plenty have been discussed about Mehmet and Herschel. But here's the other thing, and I, I've got something coming next week on one of these races, uh, but uh, New Hampshire and and Arizona, you know, don't get talked about as much. Right. And, and in both, yeah, Blake Masters in Arizona, and then in, in New Hampshire, it's a General Bolduc, who is a Mastriano type. In both of those states, there was a popular center-right governor, Doug Ducey and Sununu, which of the Sununu brothers is it, Chris? Yeah. And that's the governor. And 
And both of them would have been heavy favorites in the Senate, right? So it's a little to sex. Pick up, to pick up Democrats, pick up he says, two pickups right there. Yeah, plus two. That yeah. You're leaving two on the table now, potentially, and maybe you win one of those still. So it's not just Walker and us, right? Like, this is something that's happening across the board in Senate races. And, and you know, a McConnell of four years ago, this never would have happened, right? Like, this, ne- he never would have allowed uh, two... But I wouldn't. I don't want to say gimmies, but in this midterm environment, Ducey and Sununu would have been very heavy favorites I think in, so, yes. in, in their states. And so, you know, McConnell knows this, right? And, and so he, he's getting embarrassed every day by the crudite guy and by uh, 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 Russian roulette walker. He knows that he left two other seats on the table. And, and uh, he's having to watch John Fetterman, like, dance on his grave every day. And and I, I think that this guy is beaten down by it. Now I have I have a little bit more of a rain cloudy take on the Senate coming mm-hmm. later in the pod. But no matter what actually happens, McConnell knows that he's not in power and that he's gonna be far from what the number could have been. You know, even if they eke out a fifty one seat Senate majority, you know, he's he's still gonna know that that's not not where it should have been. Okay, what's the rain cloud? Well, I just and and so I want to. Uh, I got. One. I thought you were going to troll me on Wisconsin. Yeah. But, okay. So I've got one more yeah. sunniness before I get to the rain cloud. Okay. I yeah. am trolling you. You've been. Yeah, on, I know. You've been on multiple times Legit, with yeah. yeah about how Mandela Barnes has no chance. Yep. And every time, come on, I'm not. I'm not predicting Mandela Barnes is going to win. But every time, I, I just I just sort of chime in really quick and I say, Hey, Charlie, I'm not so sure about this. Uh, nice Evers is, yeah, mm-hmm. Evers mm-hmm. and you snark at me. Evers yep. numbers. Are, are still pretty good. Uh, he might be a little wet noodly or whatever, but the numbers are still there. Uh, Barnes's numbers have continued to be solid throughout this whole primary. I know he hasn't taken that much on the negative side yet. Two yeah, pulls cool. out this week, one Marquette plus seven Barnes, seven. one Fox plus four. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you look at that race, Barnes, it's doable. You know this. I don't have to lecture you about Wisconsin, but it's not like Wisconsin hasn't elected some kind of kooky progressives before, right? Like, like the, Wisconsin has a little bit of a weird progressive strain in certain parts of the state. And we'll see. I mean, whether Barnes could do it. Johnson, uh, obviously, we don't need to, you know, this listeners of this podcast know about all of Johnson's weaknesses. So I think it's possible. My rain cloud point about Wait, all this. I, I need to weigh in on this. Okay, please. You just can't go past me because I, I did sort of snark at you when, when you yeah, suggested like the hook. No. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's there's no question about it that this race is is competitive in the middle of August and it may continue to be those poll numbers. I think the the, the smart take on that is that they say less about Mandela Barnes than they do about the the unique unpopularity um, and toxicity of, of, of Ron Johnson. Now, it, you know, six years ago, back in 2016, he was also way down in the August poll. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, point Republicans here in Wisconsin will say, well, you know, the Marquette poll was wrong in August 2000 uh, in, in 2016. But since then, Johnson's disapproval rating has just, you know, continued to rise and it is solid. He's got like, I think a 47% disapproval rating. So he's got an, he's got a boat anchor there, which may, may mean that despite all the things that I've said about Mandela Barnes, he's going to be competitive. Now, the other point though, is they are about to drop about $20 million worth of oppo research on Barnes, who is not really well known right now. He's got a very good image. He's very, very likable. Who knows how that will actually play out but I think Johnson's vulnerabilities are popping up, and this you know is, is worth watching. In the governor's race, Tony Evers should be dead man walking, the Democrat, but the, the Republicans have nominated a candidate 
who is taking positions like, yes, I'm in favor of an abortion ban without an exception for rape and incest. And that same Marquette poll showed something like, I think it was 88% of voters go, no, um, we think there should be an exception for rape and incest. So I don't know, Tim, I don't have a PhD in political science, but that seems like it might be a problem for the Republican nominee. Yeah, I, did, I, I didn't hear you were right, Tim, in there, but it was kind of, I guess, subtext. But no, uh, Mandela no, does have a chance. What I was going to say was not that you're right, Tim, but that I might be wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I actually might be. I, I want to no. draw a line here that, that I might be wrong about this, but. Katie, can I, we get I, an audiogram of I might be wrong? Can just sort yeah, of like uh, we, we uh, can uh, do loop that. it? I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But on the other hand, I've seen this before, the sort of summer irrational exuberance. And as you get closer to the election, there's yeah. a break and we'll see which direction they break. But uh, right now. This is this is competitive. So, you know, Mitch McConnell is looking across the board and, you know, he's he's seeing that this is not remotely the wave. And I, I think this is part of the problem the Republicans had. They figured this is going to be such a wave. We can be as stupid and crazy and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, conspiracy minded and bigoted as as we want because it won't matter because we're going to win no matter what. And now it's like, holy shit, no, maybe it's not going to be a wave. And maybe crazy is not a winning strategy. For sure. And I have one more positive for the Democrats and I want to get to rain cloud. But um, I think this ties directly to what you were saying. The abortion thing here is where it has become such such an issue in a place like Wisconsin, where I think it is really going to matter, right? Because we're on the same ballot now, the Senate race and the governor's race. And if people are looking at this ballot and they see Michaels, this is a purple state, but it has a deep red legislature. And so there's maybe three or four states that are like this, where there is a massive real life policy outcome difference that could happen depending on who wins the governor race in November, right? And so if you're a voter in Wisconsin, you're looking at Michaels and Evers. It could be the difference between status quo abortion access versus complete banned, yeah, like yeah. Missouri style, one week, no exceptions, right? And that is, is, is I, I think, a very big motivator in a way that it remains to be seen whether that that will also be motivator in some of these you know other kind of states house races such such like that but i think it's going to be a very big motivator for democrats and so that impacts the turnout and then it also you know we're we're in a time with very little ticket splitting and ron johnson isn't the person that really attracts a lot of ticket splitting nope. so if you imagine a lot of evers johnson voters not really like that's kind of hard to imagine it's maybe nope. a little easy to imagine a brian kemp Raphael warnock voter like who that person is who is the tony evers ron johnson Johnson voter. I'm sure they exist. I'm sure Sarah can find them for the focus group, but I, I think that's going to be a very small number. Also, uh, to just shout out the focus group podcast you did with her, Barnes is doing a pretty good job in his pro and his positive ads of speaking to you know, the the swing voter. Obviously, he's got these negatives coming down in his head, but he's his his, his paid media is not he's not running as like a kooky like squad person. No, so, okay, he's not, he's all not, that said, that's correct. Right. All of that said, the polls. We just have to be honest about this. For two straight cycles, have, yeah. have really undercounted Republicans. Thank you. And I think particularly in Midwestern states. And so uh, if you looked at I of think which on, Wisconsin uh, is one. Right. OK. So on, <laughs> on average, I think uh, in the Senate last time, it was a six point 
miss. So, okay. So the polls show Mandela up four and seven, you know, that basically like, let's just say it's a six point miss. That's a close race both ways, which, which again, I think is better than maybe some Democrats would have potentially thought about that race. That's still good, but maybe it's, I don't think it's quite as good for Democrats as the polls look right now. Uh, And I don't know that pollsters have an answer for this really. I, I think that there is, what my sense for what's happening here is that the types of Republicans who answer polls, kind of like the types of Republicans who use the mail for voting are different than the types of Republicans who show up. I think the types of Republicans who answer polls are different from the ones that don't. And these like super mega, I think Bill Gates is putting microchips in your body type people are not answering polls. And it's making it really hard for pollsters to get a sense for the electorate, mm-hmm. particularly in these whiter, less college educated states like Wisconsin. So anyway, that's my one rain cloud on an otherwise pretty sunny outlook for Democrats in the Senate. One of the things that, that I think is, you know, we, we keep talking about a lot and, and maybe it's become tedious, which is the, the, the crazification of the Republican Party and how they really have decided that they will pay no price for it. So, for example, you know, Ron DeSantis, the great heir apparent, is not blinking about going and campaigning for nut jobs, election deniers like Kerry Lake in Arizona or Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, even though, you know, Jewish leaders are saying, Governor, why are you hanging out with with a guy like Doug Mastriano? You have Elise Stefanik, who has embraced a candidate named Carl Palladino. He's been around for a while running for Congress. He goes on a radio show saying that Merrick Garland should probably be executed. <laughs> Just kidding. Wasn't Palladino, this is a flash size, wasn't he the one that did a lot of like Michelle Obama monkey stuff? Sure. I mean, yeah. Like really, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. A Roger Stone's guy, I think. He's a real class act. And so speaking of unhinged bigots, you know, Carrie Lake, who is, you know, unhinged, but... And again, there's almost like there's no fallout from this stuff. You know, Carrie Lake just endorsed a guy who's running for the legislature in, I think he's running for the legislature, in Oklahoma. She just endorsed a guy named Jaron Jackson, who tweeted, I am honored to be endorsed by the America First Trump, Trump-endorsed warrior who drained the McCain swamp in Arizona, is now the GOP nominee for governor in Arizona, Carrie Lake. Okay, so Carrie Lake just endorsed this guy who has this long track record of saying things like, and, and, and I kid you not, He says things like, I ain't owned by the Jews. I'm not beholden to Jews or any other group. The Jews, Illuminati, COVID shots kill, Rothschilds, communists, woke protesters, social gospel, and Christ will chuck a bunch of stuff in the fire. I mean, this is, this guy is so far over the line. I mean, there was a time when you would have locked him in the basement. And now Republican voters are nominating him. And people like Carrie Lake, rising stars, on the MAGA right are endorsing him. And it doesn't cause guys like Ron DeSantis to think, you know what, if I want to be president, I don't want to have anything to do with any of these freaking nut jobs, anti-Semites and bigots. And so this is what's going on. I also, in my newsletter today, and I don't, I'm not going to play this year, have a, a mashup that somebody put together. Basically, people on the right saying things. And, and he, he, he tweeted out, he said, sometimes people give me shit for comparing the talking points of right-wing media and politicians to those of the KKK. Because and you we're all rolling our eyes. Okay, that's a little bit extreme. He puts them side by side, and they are saying the exact same thing. And so when we talk about the recklessness and the rush to the fringes on the part of leading Republicans, uh, it's all, it's impossible to 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 exaggerate. And here's an example of it. And on the podcast yesterday, I had the Washington Post Philip Pump who made a very very provocative point. 
about Ron DeSantis. The Ron DeSantis. Well, hold on. Before I get to Ron, can I just do this Jaron Jackson thing for one second? Please, yeah. I did not even realize this. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, Because I had seen the same tweet. I guess I probably, you probably retweeted it <laughs> about this fella that uh, Carrie Lake endorsed. I just assumed he's in Arizona. I no, didn't, you know, look at, it was like 6 a.m. out here. I didn't look at it that closely. Yeah, he's in Oklahoma. Why is she endorsing state Senate candidates in Oklahoma? I'm not, maybe this should have been a topic for the Pete Wayner podcast, which was really good. But uh, I don't think Christ will chuck the Jews into the fire. I don't. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a biblical scholar, but I'm not. I don't think that's anywhere in the New Testament. Chucking the Jews to hell. I'm not certain about that. But um, oh, it is. It's in the Gospel according to Infowars or something. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, Jesus' parents um, are going to hell. I guess. Okay. Um, the, uh, vengeance, uh, sort of a matricide type thing. Um, the uh, uh, the thing about this is that uh, the like they they, they decide that they're not going to suffer any penalty. Right. right, and they need to be right. made to suffer a penalty. Anyway, this goes into that. Let's let's do the DeSantis thing because this ties into. The, but I just I didn't want to let that go imply that Carrie Lake kind of just decided out of the blue to go ahead and endorse an anti-Semite in Oklahoma, like while she's running for the governorship of a purple state. Okay, I want to stay with this for a moment because okay, it's a big country, right? <laughs> there are lots of states all over. Carrie Lake is busy running for governor in Arizona, right? And yet she looks at all of America and all of the congressional races. There's like 400 of them. <laughs> There's, you know, governor's races, this Senate races. Senate race, actually. So yeah, we're into the tens of thousands. And literally tens of thousands of legislative races. And she goes, this guy, I'm going to reach out to this guy, one of the most vicious hair on fire anti-Semites and bigots in the entire country. And she thinks she'll pay no, no price for it. Well, but this is a strategy. And, and Philip Bump, in yesterday's uh, podcast, the Washington Post, Philip Bump, made a really provocative point. I mean, the bottom line here is that Donald Trump was Breitbart and Ron DeSantis is Infowars. And his point is that the formula that Donald Trump used was to appeal to the fringes. He was willing to say things that other Republicans wouldn't. So what he was willing to do is he was willing to parrot back to the base stuff they were hearing on Breitbart or Fox News in a way that, you know, the establishment Republicans never would. So that was his success. This was the key that he engaged and rallied the far right that didn't feel like they had a voice, right? Well, DeSantis is doing the same thing. And I think Carrie Lake is. And in fact, Carrie Lake is like taking it one step further. But but DeSantis has taken it pretty far. He's also playing to the same fringe in the same way that Donald Trump was Breitbart in 2016 to the establishment. He is now going for the Infowars crowd. And for people who are going, well, that's just ridiculous that Ron DeSantis is just a regular Republican uh, Ron DeSantis knows exactly what he is doing, and it kind of pays off for him. And this is what, what Bump wrote. He said, you know, DeSantis is making a bet on beating Trump at his own game. Appeal, I don't know if that's possible, by the way. Appealing to and energizing the rightmost flank of the GOP by a relentless public focus on amplifying what the fringe is talking about. So a lot of people made a lot of Laura Ingram, you know, saying that maybe, you know, people were exhausted with Trump. But he said, for my money, the more interesting development was Alex Jones's endorsement of DeSantis on the grounds that DeSantis, unlike Trump, has credibly appealed to the anti-vaccine fringe. And in case you miss this, fresh off of his 
his humiliating courtroom loss for slandering the grieving parents of the children murdered at Sandy Hook, Alex Jones has announced that he's got a new political heartthrob. Let's play the cut from Alex Jones endorsing Ron DeSantis. Pig-headedly support him a few years ago, even though I disagree with his warp speed, because I thought that we had to keep him in office because of the nightmare scenario if Hillary or Biden got in back before they were officially running. He's off the But that said, I am supporting DeSantis. Congrats, Ron. DeSantis is just gone from being awesome to being unbelievably good. Mm. And I don't just watch a man's actions, as Christ said, judge a tree by his fruits. (laughs) I can also look in his eyes on HD video. On HD video. And I see the real sincerity. Mm. I've looked, Alex Jones has looked into his eyes on HD video. Actually, apparently never met the guy. But on HD video, he's looked into his eyes. He's seen his soul. And he just knows the real sincerity. This guy hates vaccines and will believe the government wants to turn frogs gay. Just like I do. I mean, Tim, welcome to 2022. Yeah, well, uh, you know, there is a gay frog epidemic out here in Oakland. So Alex Jones might have been out on to something. Not that there's anything wrong with gay Uh, frogs. No, I want to make it clear that I am not in any way dissing gay frogs. See him hopping and humping and kissing all over the place on the street. Okay, um, and I'm okay with that. The um, <laughs> uh, I, well, that's a bit. At first, I just want to just take a moment to to congratulate Ron DeSantis because yeah. that's a big endorsement to big, to lock in Alex yeah. Jones. You know, right on the heels of that multi 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 million dollar fine, their payment the courts forced him to pay to the parents of the children who were killed at Sandy Hook, who he slandered. It's kind of reminiscent of the David Duke, Donald Trump endorsement back in uh, 2016, early 2016, if you remember that. The DeSantis thing, I, the Trump is Breitbart, uh, it's a clever uh, turn by Philip Bump. Uh, I, I think that Trump was also InfoWarsy as well. Uh, right? oh, yeah, so absolutely. There's a little bit of a continuation more than a change, but it is really important here because DeSantis, and, and just really one other thing on Trump being InfoWars, he called Alex Jones. This is kind of one of the lost things to history. They talked like the Monday or the day after he won. I forget if it was the Wednesday after or the Monday after he was he he beat Hillary. He called Alex Jones to you know to thank him for his service. So sure. anyway, I, I by the way have a whole sub chapter in my book, How the Right Lost Its Mind, about <laughs> Donald Trump and Alex Jones, and and particularly. Yeah, this is the guy who was he was elected president of the United States, and one of the first guys that he called, and you would assume that he would have been busy, was Alex Jones to thank him for the crucial role he played in electing him. Unbelievable! <sighs> so there you go. So you had that. Uh, you, you that was not lost history for you. It was yeah, it's right no. there in your book. My my bad. Yeah. Maybe that's where I remember it from, since you know I read your book for prep for why we did a travelog from the Republican Road to Hell, available now on Amazon. Uh, anyway, back to Ron oh, DeSantis. There was an interesting report uh, that came out. I don't know if you saw this about how DeSantis was weighing whether or not to endorse Karen Taylor Robeson in Arizona in the primary against yeah. Carrie Lake, Lake and was leaning towards it. Uh, so Ducey gets behind him and, and Pence gets behind him and decided, you know, basically that it wasn't worth the political capital, that he'll go ahead and let the drag king anti Semite endorsing, I want to bomb the border election fraudster uh just he'd just be just fine with that person because he doesn't want to risk any political capital endorsing just more of a light MAGA person instead and uh and he wanted to be neutral 
and now he's going. And the Mastriano people said today that DeSantis contacted them <laughs> about campaigning for him, a Christian nationalist insurrectionist who was there on January 6th. So this is how contaminated the whole pool is, right? Like this notion that you know, Donald Trump could go away and we could move back. I and mean, obviously that was completely negated by what we saw in Wyoming. But I don't think that there's just this appreciation now for how like deep into the sediment all of the MAGA conspiratorial stuff is. And, and, and there are all these little choices that you have to make. And all if you want to run for president in all of these primaries that, that you have no that if you want to actually win and not run you know, a respectable losing campaign, which I've been on a few, nothing wrong with that, that you, they're going to feel pressured to endorse the anti-Semites, the conspiracists, and to stay away from the quote-unquote team normal people who are just light versions of the conspiracists. It's a pretty dark situation that we're seeing with the Sanders. And then I don't, I'm, I'm sure you want to talk about the, the judge overruling the Florida stuff too, about how performative. I do. And let me, let me give a shout out to uh, the sort of the counterpoint here to uh, Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland, who said that the Republican nominee to succeed him in Maryland is basically a nut job. Not, not basically a nut job. He said that, you know, Hogan, who's previously called GOP gubernatorial candidate Dan Cox, a QAnon whack job, described um, the GOP nominee as a nut during a recent radio interview and reiterated his prediction that Cox has no chance whatsoever of being elected as Maryland's governor in November. He is not, in my opinion, mentally stable. <laughs> Hogan, who is term limited, said Wednesday, the contrast with DeSantis and Ducey is is dramatic. Yeah, uh, actually, DeSantis had a shitty day yesterday because his federal judge just totally slapped him down. They had passed the stop woke bill, which look, I think every First Amendment lawyer in the country knew was unconstitutional and it didn't matter to the Republicans in Florida. This bans private companies from certain kinds of diversity training. So this is the first sentence of this federal judge's ruling blocking uh, DeSantis's Stop Woke Act. Um, in the popular, tele- this is what the judge wrote. In the popular television series, Stranger Things, the upside down describes a parallel dimension containing a distorted version of our world. Recently, Florida has seemed like a First Amendment upside down. <laughs> then he goes on to say, look, um, the state is barring speech by prohibiting discussion of certain concepts and ideas in training programs by private companies. If Florida truly believes we live in a post-racial society, he wrote, then let, let it make its case, but it cannot win the argument by muzzling its opponents. And so I, you know, our friend David French points out this is not exactly winning. He said, you know, the, the, the DeSantis narrative is that he is the culture warrior who gets results. But two big pieces of culture war legislation, the Stop Woke Act and the social media law are now blocked by the courts and Florida may have to pay legal fees. May I suggest this is not what winning looks like? Well, yes. Well, yeah, that's what winning looks like for Ron DeSantis because these Sam. people don't care. These people, like the voters that he's government, trying to get, yeah. yeah, they don't actually have policy objectives they're trying to achieve. They just want to like stick their finger in the eye of the of the annoying people they don't like, right? Um, and so the other thing, the woke act was also related to schools. So I'll be interested to see how the don't say gay bill uh, holds up. I know that uh, my friend Robbie Kaplan, uh, who's who's a who's a great attorney, is challenging that. Uh, right in the courts right now as well, but uh, it was interesting that one of the things you didn't mention about the um, about the act itself is that it, is that it bars the the 
teaching or promotion of the fact that people are privileged or obs- or oppressed based on race, gender, or national origin, right? So I, it goes so far into banning what you know you could like even have a discussion about. Uh, and uh, in 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 a school setting, I think this is particularly interesting because the the whole premise of the like and of the University of Austin anti woke anti PC crowd is that like we can't even have these discussions on campus anymore, right? You know, if right. you want to be the person who objects to the woke narrative about white privilege, well, DeSantis took that and did not try to promote like discussion or conversation around these sensitive issues. He literally tried to ban schools from teaching or leading a discussion about the possibility that that white people might have privilege or that people of color might be systemically disadvantaged. It was an extremely radical and almost Soviet-level law. This is a really important point because, you know, for people who haven't been paying attention to conservatives over the last uh, 20 years, that up until you know Ron DeSantis, basically this this new this new era, there was growing movement among conservatives to back free speech rights. Believe it or not, I know that sounds crazy now with all the book bans and everything that was going on here. The support for the diversity of ideas and academic freedom, but now there is this pivot from free expression, tolerance for different ideas. You know, let's come together and actually be able to talk about stuff to actual speech bans. And in part, it's this new right that feels that it's in some ways mirroring the authoritarianism, what they see as the authoritarianism of political correctness, which tries to have speech codes and everything. But they're not trying to encourage, you know, the flourishing of different points of view. They are muzzling and they are banning these different points of view. It is really extraordinary. And that's, that's who Ron DeSantis is. And some credit, just really quick on the, on the more rational side of the, you know, kind of free speech, you know, your Yasha monks, my friends over at the fifth column podcast, like DeSantis has gotten called out on this by some of the people who have been like really kind of leaders in the anti woke to the, whatever you want to call that anti free speech movement. And yet they're in the minority, right? Like, like what you see is that I, I think that because most people don't have like really actually policy prescriptions that they care about, what they like, I think DeSantis has the winning hand in that argument with the base, right? Obviously, oh, completely no. insanely wrong hand on the on the merits, but uh, you know they they want uh, the other side punished, not the flourishing of speech. Anyway. Yeah. Now, speaking of bench slaps by judges, I'm not. We don't have time to get into it, but uh, in my newsletter, morning shots today, I uh, linked to a decision by a Wisconsin judge about that completely bogus clown car uh, investigation of the 2020 election. Uh, it was headed by a former state Supreme Court justice named Michael Gableman, and it was a complete disaster. He was fired last week. But the judge goes through all of the things about this investigation, that they basically recorded no interviews, gathered no data, organized no existing data in any analytical form, generated no reports. Just (laughs) one after this judge just pounds them and pounds them and pounds them. What a bunch of liars and frauds and freaks they are. He revokes the permission of these lawyers, including a rather prominent conservative lawyer named James Bopp, uh, to even represent this this uh, th- this effort in Wisconsin courts anymore because they're basically so full of shit. Um, he says, you know, th- he's talking about one of their briefs and said this this uh, 
It's a fever dream version of the facts of the case and a pernicious and selfish attempt to repaint the truth. And then he says, I'm not going to let you even practice here in Wisconsin anymore, you out-of-state lawyers, because the motion to which they have signed their names applies phony legal principles to invented facts. Every claim they make is frivolous under Wisconsin law. There's nothing there. They found nothing. They did nothing. And what a humiliating defeat. So that's just worth keeping in mind. Okay, we're running out of time here, but... I can't believe how we're 40 minutes into this. Time's yeah. flying, Charlie. I got a lot of material. We're hot today. Liz uh, Cheney. We got to do Liz Cheney. Can I ask you one question, sort of uh, Liz Cheney adjacent? It's kind of different. Yeah. What was Elon Musk doing in Jackson Hole? You know, kissing up to Kevin McCarthy the day of the primary. What is Elon Musk doing? Showing up at Republican fundraisers in Wyoming. He's a busy guy. So has he gone like totally MAGA, totally McCarthy? What the, what the hell? Well, I think that he knows that uh, Trump's Kevin will, can very easily be Elon's Kevin in Congress. Ooh, uh, I think right. Kevin likes to pretend like him and Elon are friends. I've 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 heard that from uh, reporters who spent a lot of time with him, and uh, and so I think that yeah, you know, if you're a company, a highly subsidized companies like his his like he has, it'd be nice to have a Speaker of the House as. You know, your little your lap dog, your uh, yip dog. You know what? Lap dog, <laughs> yip dog, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, so I think there's that. And I also think that Elon Musk is, uh, he's just following a trajectory that is pretty familiar at this point. Uh, it's moving from I'm being a contrarian to, you know, actually I'm just, you know, a full red pilled Republican. And, and, and I, it does, it seems like he's on that trajectory, but he also might, I think at the same time is, as being calculating about how he can use and abuse Kevin. So speaking of pathetic suck ups. Ooh, Dan I, Crenshaw. I am old enough to remember when Dan Crenshaw was the manliest of all men. And by the way, you know, thank you for his service and everything. And he has distanced himself from some of the hardcore magazines. He's gotten into pissing matches with Marjorie Taylor Greene. But you tweeted about this video that he posted where he wants to make it very clear that he has no Liz Cheney cooties. Can we just play Dan Crenshaw basically making it clear that he, you know, don't, don't ever accuse me of even liking Liz Cheney. Let's play that. From some trolls on the internet that I endorsed Liz Cheney in her primary election. Mm-hmm. Obviously not true. Yep. Now what these people are doing is spreading around a very old tweet, like over a year and a half ago, where I say nice things about Liz. Yeah. Back when we all supported her, voted for her for conference chair, and then she went off the deep end and we she all stopped went. supporting her. She now, went. I was in Jackson Hole this week, but with she Kevin went. McCarthy, who was supporting Liz's primary opponent. And then we congratulated her. So the truth here is that there's people on the internet who lie to you and they continue to lie to you and they especially like lying about me because they know that you'll click on it. So whoever shared that with you and took the date off, cropped it so you couldn't see it, couldn't get the context, whoever did that, unfollow them. They're lying to you now and they'll keep lying to you. (laughs) Where do you start Mm. with that? Cancel them. Cancel them. Just, I like my favorite part about it is how it's like back when we all liked Liz yeah, and we, it was back, okay to like Liz. It was like, uh, you know, that the, was the, then this is now. Don't you yeah. understand that we have all completely shape shifted? Come on. We can't be held accountable for the back in that day when we had principles. 
It's like you know, all, when <laughs> it's such a high school cafeteria, it's like, well, we all liked Katie Heron last year, and then she did the she one did. thing in the pool, and now we can't like her anymore. And so, and people are trying to pretend like I still like her because I liked her last year, but I don't like her because I was told I shouldn't like her anymore by everybody else in the caucus. And it's just so pathetic. I, when I wrote about Dan last year, I pulled this up. He wrote in his book that the uh, most devastating mental state he can imagine is one where people consider themselves helpless in the face of a challenge. And and that is and, and this is why he's become such a whiny little bitch, because he is he is in this most devastating mental state that he can imagine, right? He knows he knows that Liz Cheney is right. You don't think that Dan Crenshaw knows? But he feels helpless and that he has no choice but to go along with Harriet Hageman another person who knows the truth and, and little Kevin and et cetera, uh, so that he can still maybe have a chance to to take uh, Dan Patrick or Greg Abbott's job at some point in the future, which he's never going to get, by the way. He's, to- like, he's totally been cornered by these little MAGA trolls on the internet who, who, who troll him so effectively that he has to make these pathetic videos to like rebut them. And it's like, why don't you have why don't you actually take the fight to the people that are lying about you consistently and take the fight for the truth and actually have some courage and stand up for Liz Cheney but uh you know that would mean actually taking some some sort of risk so instead he will continue to make whiny little selfie videos okay it's really sad. Some, yes and pathetic. pathetic okay so you 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 have some more Cheney material I have one other thing I have to rant about. This is our the home team podcast. Yep. It might be a no. little niche, but every once in a while you get to rant about random Wisconsin people. Yep. So this exactly. is mine. Okay. 2013, uh, I started a group called America Rising with two other people. There was a Democratic group called American Bridge, and, mm-hmm. and they did a very good job of sending little trackers around with videos to follow Republican candidates, get them to say embarrassing things, give, that, give the video out to the media, et cetera. And Republicans didn't have this. So three of us started a group that was going to compete against that. And uh, it was pretty, it did pretty well for the first cycle when I was in charge. You know, we took out a couple of Democrats. Sorry, apologies in retrospect. But uh, I left the group, obviously, over Donald Trump because, you know, to be a Republican super PAC in good standing in 2016, you had to support Donald Trump. So my colleagues continued to support him. I bailed. And it's kind of off my radar. I just kind of block it out. I try not to think about it. Uh, I wrote a little bit about it in the book. But a text comes across my phone, one of those little triggering bleeps that you get during the day uh, in, in, our, in our dark times. And it let me know that my former group, I haven't been a part of for six years, fired its chairman, Jeff Larson, a former boss of mine at the RNC. Do you know what they fired Jeff Larson about? What do you think he did? Charlie, any guesses? Any, uh, you know, do you think maybe it was a Me Too situation or maybe mishandled some money or what do you, what do you think his, his crime was that caused him to get fired? Killed some puppies, beat baby seals to death with clubs. Mm-hmm. And no, 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 did a bad job. Lost, they lost some no. races maybe. No. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He was revealed to have been supportive of Liz Cheney. No. That, yes. And so this group that was founded by all these establishment Republicans, me and Mitt Romney's campaign manager, who's gone now too, and the RNC research director, who's the only one who's still there, and all these other people that worked for, you know, Mitt and Bush and and regular Liz Cheney's dad worked for Dick Cheney. That group, not some mega freak group, that group fired its chairman because he dared to try to help 
Liz Cheney win her primary against a bunch of insurrectionist lunatics. Yeah. Cancel. Big tent. Really big tent. Cancel culture is coming from inside the house. Like that, that is it. Like this is, that is mind boggling. Like, like how like it is. Well, it's disgusting and it's no, despicable, it's but it's also, it's not yeah, like. Yeah, okay. You, you know you why it's not mind boggling? Because I read your fucking book. You wrote a whole book about these people and the way they behave. How can your mind be boggled anymore? It's just so unbelievably pathetic. It's like that is the person's crime? Standing up for Liz Cheney, a down-the-line conservative? They have to get fired now? Fuck these people, Charlie. And it's just so fucking sick. If you weren't Tim Miller, I would be saying, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to go get Tim Miller's book and read it. (laughs) Which will explain this to you so you are not so hopelessly naive to be surprised by this. <laughs> this, is, this is why I have to do this rant right now That's because I was fair. too nice to America. I, I should have done an entire chapter on America Rising in that book rather than just a few p- sentences because I figured nobody would care about this random mid-level super pack I, I started 10 years ago. But I should have done more and just skinned them because the idea that that like this is an acceptable way to behave is just unbelievable. And, and, See, and it's just Come to remember that you know when at next time you hear people go whining about Ela Shapiro or cancel culture, somebody lost their job, they fired somebody for supporting Liz Cheney. Unbelievable. See the thing about unbelievable, it is, but I, absurd. I feel your pain because even though we've been doing this now for it feels like a decade, these things are still raw. Yeah. Especially if you had some part in it, and obviously I'm raising my hand, being here from Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, and all these other guys. It's like it it still is amazing. And I know people at, at some point go, you know, like how naive must you be not to recognize that these people are nuts? They've always been nuts. You know, they're going to behave like nuts in the future. Why are you surprised by it? But, you know, for us, for you and me, I think there is that personal thing. There's like we once knew you. We thought we understood you. We were friends at one time. And what the hell has happened to you? Right. And so. This doesn't get old. And you know what? I owed of integrity. They're not nuts. Nuts is too nice, actually. I know, no, that's no, like what they're doing is immoral. Like, have one iota of integrity, right? Just one, okay? Can you just stand up for one person who did the right thing? Like this person that is that you made the chairman of your group? Anyway, whatever. I, I, that's enough. Yeah, you're a bunch of craven. I don't know. What if, you know, the pro- problem is. The, yeah, exactly. Craven asshole. But craven asshole, I mean, assholes are necessarily purely evil. I mean, there's there's something that's beyond that. So we'll have to keep working on this. We'll have to keep working on our nomenclature. Tim Miller, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the weekend podcast. And, you know, we're going to have to continue this next week, okay? Charlie, sounds great. Have a great week, everybody. See you next Friday. You too. And thank you all for listening to the Weekend Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. I will be back on Tuesday. We'll do this all over again. Monday, of course. Hey, check in. Amanda Carpenter is going to have a very special podcast.